Hey guys, welcome to the e-commerce paradise podcast today on the show. I have a special guest. He is a serial credit card reward hacking ninja. This guy has been doing some crazy stuff. Um, he's actually helped me achieve over a million credit card reward miles in the last year. I've been able to fly to all these countries around the world and stay in five star hotels, including the W on the beach in Barcelona for free. It's been pretty insane. And um, I wanted to uh, bring him on the podcast to teach you guys all the crazy uh, things about credit card reward hacking that's possible out there. Welcome to the podcast, Trevor. <laughs> I'm glad you had me. I'm glad you invited me. I actually, I didn't have a chance to, uh, to look at your, uh, your stash. I wasn't aware that you, were, you did over a million. I knew you were doing well, but that's, <laughs> I've been following your Instagram. You're having fun. It's been pretty crazy, man. And ever since we got on board with your program, it's made it a lot easier for us as well to, to get uh, all these credit cards and to manage them and stuff like that. So um, Trevor is the founder of a credit card reward program called Mile Method. So if you haven't heard of Mile Method, you can go check it out. It's milemethod.com. And what he does is he helps people basically to set up a program so that um, you can actually know which cards to apply for. And then you can go about applying for them. And you have a system for applying for these cards that's very unique and also know how to manage those cards and also know how to go ahead and um, and like uh, basically what they call credit card churning. So um, Trevor, I wanted to see if you could um, get started with the podcast, let our listeners know um, kind of how you got started with this whole thing in the, in the first place, uh, what, what drove you to it and, and what attracted you to it in the first place. Yeah. So in the shower just now before I was getting ready for the podcast, I was thinking how, if you asked me this question, how would I go about answering it? Is, was there an aha moment where like, yes, I am going to deep dive on credit cards and start learning how to travel for free. And there kind of was, uh, depending on how much time we have, I could go all the way back, but, uh, I'll give you the fast forward version. Uh, I grew up in Nebraska. My dad and my parents had always traveled. And when I was younger, there was a shelf of all the national geographics. Uh, so even as a kid, 10 years old, I was flipping through, looking at all these incredible places that were not small town Nebraska. So even when I was a kid, I had it in my mind that I wanted to do that, to see the world, to travel. Um, later, uh, in high school, I studied in Barcelona. That opened my eyes that, wow, it is, there's a bigger world out there, not just rural Nebraska. So because of Barcelona, I studied in college. I went, studied uh, in Mexico and Costa Rica furthered that whole uh, cliche kind of world citizen perspective. Uh, I ended up working for the same study abroad company that I, that I studied with in Mexico and Costa Rica. So I was recruiting students to travel, uh, to go on these semester programs, year-long programs. But as I was doing that job, I realized it's not quite the freedom I was looking for. Uh, even though with that job, I was traveling to Europe, uh, I was traveling internationally and also domestically to universities all over the US. Well, it still wasn't the film I wanted, so I ended up saving money with that job. Uh, quit when I had a bit of money in the bank, did a two and a half year bicycle trip from Colombia to Argentina, which was amazing. Uh, at this point, I'm still, I know nothing about credit cards. This was uh, 2008, 2007, I believe. Uh, after two and a half years of this incredible trip across all of the South American countries, I ended up in Buenos Aires, living there for four months. And as you can imagine, I was running out of money. So uh, I just started Googling. It was, this, at this point, was 2010. 
And I had to make a decision. Do I go back? Do I find a job? Or do I try to find a way to continue with, with this travel, this ultimate freedom that I experienced while doing the bicycle trip? So I Googled. I learned that there's these people who somehow can fly for free. And I started reading the forums. I started becoming obsessed, looking for obscure blogs, and eventually self-taught uh, how to do it. And I actually applied for my first credit cards from Argentina. So that was 2011. Uh, and fast forward from 2011 until 2018, uh, I had been applying for about three to five credit cards every 90 days. Uh, to date, I've been approved for 117 credit cards and visited uh, 136 countries. And none of that would have been possible without the credit cards because I'm able to travel, fly basically for free. Even with the annual fees, uh, I've been averaging $30 per flight. So that's the fast forward version of from uh, how I got to where I am now. And now, like you said, I'm helping people do what I do. Some pretty awesome travel stories you got there, man. Uh, bicycling across South America, like that's pretty cool. <laughs> oh man, what was that like? Can you can you talk about that a little bit? What that must have been like? Yeah, so that kind of set the precedent of my travel style. You could say it is it is ironic that now because uh, of my business, I do promote luxury hotels because when a luxury hotel, say a beach resort, costs less than a dormitory bed, that's something I'm interested. Why why wouldn't you do that? Uh, so people, they assume that I'm a luxury guy, that that's, that's what I do. They don't know that for two and a half years, I slept in a tent beside, beside the road. <laughs> uh, so it, I, I actually think it helps my travel perspective being on both extremes, having camped literally on the side of highways in Brazil, in the, in remote villages of Bolivia, uh, you know, through the highlands of Peru, running into, uh, grandmothers who don't speak Spanish. They only speak Quechua that type of thing. And then also now staying in five-star resorts that can cost up to $900 a night. Uh, there's no reason you have to pick one or the other. You can do both. So I think that's an important perspective to remember because I've had some recent conversations where uh, even potential myomethic clients, they come to me and they say, well, I don't, I'm not a luxury guy. I, I don't, I don't want to stay in hotels. And, and I, I understand the perspective, but I tried to convince them that if you can have the option at some point, maybe you want to get away with your partner. Maybe you want to have some good Wi-Fi and relax. Maybe you want to go to some remote Island where it's going to be very expensive. If, if you have to pay for hotels, it's always good to have the option to have free hotels. Why not? So, uh, why not? <laughs> really? <laughs> exactly. I've been on both extremes. I really like camping. Camping is a lot of fun backpacking too. I grew up in the Pacific Northwest backpacking a lot, staying up in the mountains and stuff like that. So it's definitely yeah. a lot of fun, but, but there's something I mean, else it, it about, would be... about luxury hotels that just kind of, <laughs> it's pretty awesome, man. I mean, really when I, when I stop and think about what we do, because this is what you do now too, there's no reason we should be able to be staying in these incredible places for free. This, this is a privilege that Americans have. And I'm, I'm doing my part to try, to try to convince people, Americans with decent credit, that look, this is an opportunity and it's not gonna be around forever. Uh, the truth is it is getting harder. Uh, when I started in 2011, a lot of uh, the getting, getting credit card bonuses multiple times, uh, spending tricks, a lot of these things are disappearing. So it, it really is one of those things that you should get in while you can and another, another example I like to give people is uh, 
uh, airline miles and hotel points, it's a type of currency. So just like money, you don't start working when you want money, when you want to, when you want to buy something, you work beforehand, you earn it, you have it in the bank, and then it's there available to you when you want to spend it. Same thing with, with airline miles and hotel points, earn them. Now you have your stash ready. And then uh, when you want to take that trip through there, you spend it. Awesome. I think one of the biggest myths, <clears throat> for certainly something I always thought of um, before I got into credit card reward hacking was how can you possibly apply for so many cards and still maintain, you know, a good credit score? Because uh, the way we're brought up and stuff, we always are, are, are set to believe when we get out of high school that you know, the credit score is going to go down when you apply for new cards. Can you, can you talk on that topic a little bit and, and why it's actually not that way? Yeah. So <laughs> there's, there's a lot of things to unpackage in what you just said. One of my biggest challenges with what I do as a business, helping people do what I do, earning tons of airline miles and hotel points, is really getting over the hurdle of, of convincing people that this is real. You know, it, there's a lot of things where you, you, it sounds too good to be true. And credit card hack, travel hacking, which is not a term I, I really like, it's one of those things where it shouldn't be possible where you apply for a single credit card and you get a round trip to Europe for $20 in taxes. It sounds too good to be true, but it's real. And not only that, you can take it to a level where you're not just getting one round trip to Europe, but you're getting two and a half round trips to Europe every 90 days. That's possible. Um, one thing that you said just now is travel hacking. So I think that's the main term that people, people, once they start trying to dig into what is this whole airline miles hotel point thing, you'll see travel hacking thrown around a lot. And I don't like that term because travel hacking, hacking in general, you think of computer, computer people who hack into systems is generally illegal. So what I do with mile method, it's not illegal one and two, it's exactly the opposite. It's playing by the bank's rules so well that they want to give you credit card bonuses. So it's actually playing so strictly by the rules that, that you appear to be the perfect customer, not illegal, and time and time again, they will give you bonuses. So there's a certain structure that you have to do um, by spreading out applications, by, by, uh, by strategizing with a long-term plan, which is why my service is 24 months. Uh, and able to skirt, to stay off the bank radar, you could say, by following the rules so well that they would never even consider uh, denying you a sign-up bonus. That's, that's the idea behind my method. And there's a lot of behind-the-scenes knowledge that goes into that, but of course, that's why people use my service because uh, they don't want to learn what I know. <laughs> it takes time. I think, honestly, I think a lot of the issue is just in general with financial education. A lot of people don't have really good, deep uh, personal finance education. And that's just because it's not really taught in high school. Um, it's even not even taught in college unless you go to take it as an elective. So um, can you talk about, you know, maybe your background with personal finance? What got you into like understanding your finances better and stuff like that? And maybe did that lead to the credit card reward program stuff and, and understanding the banking systems better? Uh, so I, I guess my background, when I, I went to the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, uh, I have a international business degree, <laughs> which uh, doesn't have much to do with credit cards or personal finance. Uh, I was even talking with 
someone recently that in business school, they don't teach us how to do taxes. So you're, you're exactly right. When it comes to formal education, uh, a lot of the things we're told are, are not true. They're, and especially when it comes to credit cards, uh, there's a lot of myths and misinformation going, going around. Uh, the number one thing that I hear is so many people are afraid to apply for credit cards and to cancel credit cards because they believe those two factors will destroy their credit. Mm -hmm. And applying for credit cards over the long term actually improves your credit scores. And canceling uh, can lower your, your credit scores in the short term, uh, but it doesn't affect it over the long term. So again, that goes back into knowing how to structure these credit card applications if you're gonna be applying for three to five credit cards every 90 days, like I do, and which I have been doing for over seven years now. So, so we, we can easily uh, sign up for these credit card reward programs, I mean, sort of easily, and then you know, get the credit cards and get the bonuses. Um, but one big question um, I hear a lot is, you know, like, how do the banks make money off this whole situation? <laughs> I mean, they have to be making money somehow, and like you said, they see this as the ideal clients for them. So how does that make sense to, from the bank's perspective? Okay, that's, that's a, a good point. So if it seems too good to be true, why does this exist? That's, that's a valid question. So. There's a, there's a few different parts to that. Uh, one is the banks are not stupid. They are, they are run by very smart people. And they know statistically that most people they will profit off of because most people, they will fall into the trap of credit cards. And before I take on new clients, I actually discuss how to not fall into the traps. What are the traps? Overspending, uh, not paying off your bills every month, um, that's basically it. If, if you pay off your bills every single month, I don't, the fine print, the APR, uh, all the, the legal jargon that you see at the bottom of the credit card applications, none of that matters. None of it. As long as you pay off your credit card every single month. If you don't and you start carrying balances, then you get hit with interest. Uh, if you're paying minimums, of course, you're going to end up paying a lot more. Uh, and then late fees, that type of thing. But the number one way to avoid all of that and, and only receive the benefits of credit cards is simply pay off your bill in full every month. So one of my screening questions when people come to me and they want to start earning airline miles and hotel points, I always ask them, do you have debt? And if they do, I ask them why and how much. And I've unfortunately had to disqualify a lot of people and say, I'm sorry, uh, this is not for you. I think you should focus on paying down your debt. Uh, because someone with debt, if you start giving them <laughs> five new credit cards every 90 days, unfortunately, they're probably going to go farther into debt. So, yeah, to go, to, so to go back to your question, uh, banks make money off of the interest, late payments, uh, and annual fees. Although I would say about 95% of credit cards, I mean, I can't give an exact number, but the great majority say 90% of credit cards you can apply for them, receive their sign-up bonus and all the benefits without paying the annual fee. That's another misconception. With Mile Method, uh, most credit cards are canceled at 10 months and you, you never pay the annual fee. Some of them you pay the annual fee the first month, but the sign-up bonus is worth multiple times more than that annual fee, so, so it's worth it. Say you pay $75, but you get the equivalent of a one-way to Europe or a domestic round trip that might cost $400. So you pay 75, but you get a $400 flight. That's still a great deal. 
That is a good deal. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that leads me to my next question perfectly. Um, it says on your website that you're able to average $30 per flight to 115 plus countries. Um, now, <laughs> my curiosity in this, of course, is, is there some special way you go about booking the flights, um, like through the reward travel programs, <laughs> maybe some sort of a special, like a, a way you go about doing it that you can help the listeners out with? Yeah, I, I can give some advice about, about how to go about doing that. So, uh, I should say I'm very I, uh, I'm very obsessed with how I book my trips. Uh, even just the other day, I was I had some downtime and I started looking. How can I do a Caribbean island hopping trip? And I started piecing together island island for my next Caribbean trip. So part of it is it's definitely knowledge. Uh, it's knowing which type of mile to use to which destination. And luckily, there's websites, there's software, there's a lot of a lot of ways to do this that. Anyone can do it, not just someone who's obsessed like I am. <laughs> uh, so the number one thing, I guess, if I were to give you actionable steps, there's a website called flyermiler.com. And maybe we can link to this later. Um, but it's a website where you can type in your origin and your destination. So let's say you're flying from Bangkok to, let's say, Madrid. So you put in the airport code for Bangkok, BKK. And then you put in the airport code for Madrid, MAD. And it will tell you from top to bottom which airlines fly that route and how many miles are required for economy, business, or first class. So you can choose economy, you can choose business, or first class. And it'll tell you which airlines fly that route and also how many miles are required for that route. So that's a great way to know the value of your miles. I don't like to get into the technicals of one mile equals three cents or two cents because it really varies depending on how you use them. But if you know that a flight from the United States to Europe is 30,000 one way, then you can look at a credit card sign up bonus that is worth 60,000 miles and you know that that's very simply a round trip to Europe. So that's how I like to look at sign up bonuses. Like I apply for this credit card, round trip to Europe. I apply for this credit card, that's a one way to Australia. I think it simplifies the whole process. Uh, and then also there's other websites where at any Google is your friend. <laughs> you can Google, let's say you have 50,000 American airline miles. You can type into Google best American airline redemptions. Simple. And you will see many, many how to articles of the best value to use those American airline miles. So I think between those two, uh, websites, any, anybody can get extreme value from their miles. Um, yeah. And also I, I will say there's a, there's a nice website for hotels as well, because as with mile method, uh, because you have to space out credit card applications, you're not just going to apply for airline miles back to back to back to back. You, because of the way the banking system works with approvals, you have to space them out with also hotel bonuses. So, you might get 100,000 Hilton points or 30,000 Hyatt. There's a lot of different really great hotel chains. So there's a website called awardmapper.com. And it's great. It's very user-friendly. It's not always 100% up-to-date, but I found it to be pretty accurate. And you just type in your destination, let's say Bali. You type in Bali, and it will show you all the award hotels in the region that you want to visit. And then you can start looking down the list of hotels and you can start seeing which offer the best value. 
So even so, Bali as an example, there is a five thousand per night Hilton right next to the airport with free breakfast if you have the credit card. I think you've stayed there, right? <laughs> Pretty sure. <laughs> or, or the uh, like another in Kuala Lumpur. There's a ten thousand. Hilton per night, DoubleTree, which you were just at. Yeah, yeah, that one was really. It's nice. an incredible hotel, and it's <laughs> only ten thousand per night with free breakfast. So, just to put that in perspective, there are multiple credit cards that offer a hundred thousand points per night, or a hundred thousand sign-up bonus. So, one credit card can get you over ten free nights in Kuala Lumpur, or twenty free nights in Bali, with free breakfast. It's incredible. It's so. Again, I don't, I don't think people should overlook the benefits of having hotel points because it really does come in handy. Yeah, definitely. During our travels in, uh, in Europe, it was really nice to have the hotel reward, uh, rewards available just because you know, hotels in Europe in the summertime can be so expensive. And, uh, and being able to book a really nice hotel, like I think the W in Barcelona was an $800 a night hotel or something like that, that room that we had overlooking the beach. <laughs> yeah. that, was, that was pretty incredible, man. It was like this big suite of a room. It was... It was beautiful. Um, I, I, I know that hotel. It's, in, yeah. it's very nice. <laughs> the location's nice too. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely and, Andy. Europe is cool. And, and on the flip side, so the examples I just gave uh, are quote unquote lower end hotels because, because Asia, hotels in Asia require fewer rents because they're based on the local economy, which is also cheaper. Uh, another benefit is, let's say you want to go way upscale. So for example, I've stayed in many park Hyatts around the world, Moscow, uh, the Maldives, um, Vienna. So all these hotels are 700, 800 euros per night. So there's certain credit card bonuses which give you, say, two free nights uh, at any hotel within that hotel brand. So let's say two free nights at any Hilton in the world or two free nights at any Hyatt in the world. These free nights are incredibly valuable for honeymoons uh, or really special occasions. Because if, if you're in a partner situation or married, one person can get two free nights. The other person can also get two free nights. So you can stay four nights at a $900 per night hotel for two credit cards. It's, it's really nice, especially for hotels and honeymoons, I think. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like our whole summer in Europe was a big honeymoon uh, again, just because of all the award travel yeah. we were able to book and stuff like that. <laughs> it's yeah, the hotel points uh, they shouldn't be overlooked. That's for sure. So I mean, you've talked about some of the amazing trips you've been on. Um, can you? <laughs> I know this is gonna be a hard question to answer, but can you maybe break down at least one of your favorite trips that you've been on? Maybe <laughs> you've yeah. been on a lot of them. So <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said. Uh, since I'm really since high school, since I studied in Barcelona, I've kind of been uh, nonstop travel, you could say, with with periods of stops along the way. <laughs> um, when I when I hear this question, it, it makes me think there are places that you stay, and there are places that you visit. Um, so in that way, the way you travel and the way I travel are very similar because. I will stay somewhere for a couple months, try to be productive, get some work done, and then I'll go crazy. And then I'll go visit eight or nine, 10 countries at a time, and then I'll stay somewhere for a month or three months. Um, and it's really hard to say which, which style is quote unquote better because they're very different. Um, 
for living. I love Latin America. Colombia is incredible. All of Brazil is amazing. Uh, these are two places that just the culture. You step out into the street and you you feel <laughs> you feel that this is this is special. You, you, the music, the food, the way people interact. Uh, it's there's just Brazil, Latin America in general is very special to me. Um, I also studied Spanish in in a university. I have a Spanish degree, so I love to be in Spanish-speaking countries where I feel like I can integrate, where I can make, you know, Spanish-speaking friends. And it's, that's very different than Asia where it's very exotic, but I don't always feel like I can integrate as well. Um, but as far as crazy trips, I'll, when I think about it, my dad and I have been traveling a lot. That's another benefit of having millions of miles and points that you can use them for your friends and family. So uh, on some of the more interesting trips, I've been traveling with my dad, which which is also very special, especially as he gets older and <laughs> uh, more frumpy and less likely to do these crazy adventures. So my dad and I did the Trans-Siberian from Moscow to Beijing. Uh, so traveling across Russia with my dad who grew up in the Soviet Union era, Cold War era. It was really interesting to, to see it through his perspective. Uh, on that same trip, we spent 10 days in Mongolia, which is one of the most unique places in the world. It's, it's otherworldly. It's, they, it's like living in National Geographic. You see nomads and yurts. Uh, of the 10 days, we rented a van with a, with a Mongolian driver who didn't speak English. So for 10 days, we were sign, lang sign languaging with our driver. Every, every single night, we were staying in random yurts. We would just point to a yurt in the distance, and we would try to explain to our driver, it's bedtime, we want to, to sleep. And he would pull off the road if there was a road. There's not always roads in Mongolia. He would get out, talk to whoever owned the yurt and say, hey, these crazy foreigners, they want to stay here tonight. Is it okay? And every single time the Mongolian said yes. So for seven or eight nights, I, every single night I was drinking vodka, getting drunk with Mongolians who didn't speak any English uh, with my dad. It was, it was a great trip. And then I could go on and on. There's Madagascar, uh, the Seychelles. Some of these places that you never think in your life that you would visit are, are as incredible as you think they would be. It's, it's, really, it's really a blessing to have the miles and points to do that. Um, for me, one of the biggest struggles with travel is always coming up with the visa and all that stuff. Can you talk about that maybe a little bit just so people are prepared to what they need to go through in order to travel to these exotic far off places? Sure. So again, there's websites that simplify all of this. Um, and it's also another privilege that we have as Americans that we still have a very uh, world-friendly passport. So there's a lot of places in the world where you don't need a visa. You just fly, show up, or you do a visa on arrival at the airport. Um, and the way to research that beforehand, because of course you don't want to just fly and hope that you can get in for free. Uh, there's a website that I use. There's many websites, but I always go to visahq.com. And uh, you just plug in American visiting this country, and then it'll give you the whole rundown if you, if you have 30-day visa free, uh, or if there's a visa on arrival, or if you need to get a visa. So it's really, visas can be complicated, but with the website, it tells you step-by-step step what you need to do, if anything at all. So cool. it's not, in my mind, it's not really an issue, unless you're going somewhere crazy like Saudi Arabia, where uh, it can be a challenge, yeah. Have you ever traveled to the Middle East? 
Uh, yeah, every country except Saudi Arabia, Jordan, Israel, Yemen, and Iraq. So, okay. Yeah. Did you feel comfortable out there? Was it a good experience? Was it different? It was. Yeah, yeah it was amazing. I would say the of all of the Middle East or Gulf countries, uh, Egypt was was incredible. It's it's like I said, it's just one of those places where you're walking through history and. <laughs> It's a weird, it's a strange mix of modern and ancient and traditional culture with neon lights and fast food. It's, and also another benefit of Egypt is because of its reputation, uh, it's not really a highly traveled place anymore besides perhaps the pyramids. Um, but when I was in Cairo, uh, as I do with most places, I just show up, walk around. <laughs> Uh, pick a destination and just or pick a direction and just start walking and if you see a bunch of people eating at a restaurant it, It's probably good walk in get some food um, In Cairo, I remember I had Multiple people just come up to me and say hey <laughs> What are you doing? How are you? Where are you from? Come drink tea with us. And that's what I did. I walked around uh, Had tea with random people wearing you know traditional Egyptian clothes they're very curious. And then at, at night, I would stay at the incredible Hilton. <laughs> so you, you can mix it up. I'm staying in the Hilton, but I'm also walk, walking uh, the normal neighborhoods of the city. And it's fascinating, just walking and looking around. It's, it's incredible. I recommend Egypt. And also the hotel points are a lot like Asia. There's a lot of hotel points, a lot of hotels uh, where it's only 5,000 per night or 10,000 per night or 15,000 per night. And that is nothing you, you could you with the amount of hotel points you could have with a couple credit cards, you could stay in Egypt for weeks for free. It's, it's a good destination. It's <laughs> awesome. I definitely have it on my list. And um, so you've been, and, and also I, I, uh, sorry, I hear there's good scuba diving. I didn't have the chance to go scuba diving, uh, but it is a destination. I, I kind of regret that I didn't, <laughs> yeah, there's there's sharks out there. Um, the the scuba diving instructor I got my advanced paddy from in Philippines actually went to Egypt um, while they closed down Boracay for uh, for the summer and oh, wow. posted a lot of cool pictures and videos from from scuba diving there's, around there's, there. There's sharks. I had no idea. Wow. <laughs> Apparently, it's crazy. <laughs> he posted a picture of a shark. I was like, whoa, okay, in the Mediterranean. There. I'm not exactly sure where it was, but it was somewhere around there. That's amazing. So, um, so you've been to Africa a few times, right? So can you talk more about um, traveling through Africa, what it's like um, to the rest of that continent? I know it's one of the most like uh, crazy far out places for most people um, to visit. Yeah. Uh, so I spent a month in Cape Town, which isn't, I, okay. I also, uh, so I told you I go places, stay for a month or two, and then just do a crazy trip visiting many countries in a row, maybe staying five days or a week or even three days. So I stayed in Cape Town for a month, but before that, I actually uh, rented a car one way and drove from Johannesburg through Lesotho and Swaziland. So I spent, uh, I believe it was 10 days driving from Johannesburg through the, uh, the countries which are in the middle of South Africa. They're, they're surrounded by South Africa on my way to Cape Town, stayed there for a month, and then continued traveling to other uh, African countries after my month-long stay, which was also a, a month-long of free hotels in downtown Cape Town. I stayed at, a, at a, a Protea Hotel, which is part of the Marriott chain. 
for over for one month on points. <laughs> um, but that, that was another one of those memorable trips, driving 10 days across South Africa um, in um, Lesotho, especially. I was very surprised because I, I didn't do too much research. I just checked, is it possible to rent uh, an economy car and go through the country through the mountains? Yes, so I did it. And it's a very remote place. It's, uh, you'd be driving on a road, you don't see other cars. You turn around a corner, there's a drop off and then there's a sheep herder <laughs> standing on the road. Uh, it's, it, it was a unique place. Um, as far as Africa for travel, I don't know if there's a way to generalize because of course there's a lot of different countries. Uh, I haven't visited most of them. I've, I've probably visited 15 countries in Africa. Um, I would say, yeah, it's, it's safe. I think there's a lot of good opportunities or good redemptions with airline miles um, on flights that would otherwise be very expensive. So Africa is one of those destinations where the intra-Africa flights, um, they can be $400 or 15,000 miles one way, which is, again, nothing. So it's, it's a good use of miles to, to visit different places in Africa. But yeah, it's, it's uh, the countries I visited with some common sense, of course, because uh, anytime you're traveling places where you stick out a lot as a white Caucasian in Zambia, for example, like you're not going to blend in. You're just not. You, people notice you. Uh, that combined with, with poverty, you, know, you do have to be smart about how you travel. So... But I recommend it. I think uh, everyone should visit. It's a very different place depending where you go. And uh, your most recent trip was actually, um, like you were talking about before, kind of some island hopping. It was really cool. You, uh, you had the map out and it showed you jumping around all sorts of islands in the South Pacific before you made your way back to the U.S. Uh, can you talk about that a little bit? I think it was a little bit of a unique experience for you, right? Um, all yeah. Those really cool islands. So we, you and I and uh, Juliana, we met in Bali. So this was three months ago, two months ago. Uh, I'm in Denver, Colorado, visiting my parents right now. And this is one of those trips that I planned in advance because, again, these are, to island hop like that, the paid flights would be very expensive. Um, but I, I visited, uh, I would have to look it up, but I think I traveled to eight different countries plus Alaska for $68 total. So it was, I think, 150,000 miles plus $68 to visit places like Tonga, Vanuatu, Samoa, um, American Samoa. Uh, <laughs> I'd have to look. I, I almost forget where I was. Um, but yeah, that was kind of a dream trip. I, I, I didn't know much about these destinations, but when I looked on a map, I saw there's a remote island. Uh, I Wikipedia, learn a little bit about it, and I decide, yep, that's definitely a place I would like to see. And then here, here's another tip. Um, if you're unsure of how to redeem your miles, this is actually a, a very good tip. So let's say you're flying from Bali. You can type in Bali Airport Wiki. Just Google it, Bali Airport Wiki, and you can do this for any destination. If you're flying from Denver, you say Denver Airport Wiki. 
and every uh, airport wiki site or uh, page has a list of airlines and destinations. So this way you can piece together itineraries. So the way airline miles work is a lot of them, the majority of them, are region to region. So when I say United States to Europe is 30,000, it's always 30,000 uh, with most airline programs. So that same paid flight, depending on the date, if it might be $1,000 or it might be $400, but it's always gonna be 30,000 miles. So if you're trying to fly from Bali to anywhere, you can look at the destinations on the wiki page and you can see which airlines fly to what destinations. So let's say you're using uh, United Miles. <laughs> United, there's different airline alliances, and this might get a little complicated, but it's not once you understand it. So United is an American uh, airline, and they have a United, uh, an American airline uh, award program. But they're part of a Star Alliance, and Star Alliance, they have partners all over the world. So you can use United Miles, even though it's an American airline, you can use those miles to fly anywhere in the world as long as you redeem them on other Star Alliance partners. So if you know what those partners are, you can piece together itineraries from Bali to Bangkok, Bangkok to any other destination, as long as they're all Star Alliance. I hope that's not confusing for, for listeners. And uh, that's how I piece together the, the itinerary throughout the South Pacific. Uh, Air New Zealand, for example, is a Star Alliance partner. So I used United Miles on Air New Zealand. And then you can piece together trips by Bali to Tonga. And then you type in Tonga Airport Wiki. And then you can see a list of all the airlines and the destinations from Tonga. And then you can decide, okay, I want to fly to this destination. I hope that's not confusing for listeners. <laughs> it's, it's definitely confusing in the beginning, but like you said, once you get used to the whole way the airlines are structured, I think it makes a lot more sense. Right. And, um, and I should say, uh, so for my myomethod clients, I do understand that that initially, like even the concept, I remember when I, in 2011, I didn't get it. I, I thought, how could I use American Airlines uh, on Qantas to Australia? It's not the same airline. How does that work? but American Airlines is one world, Qantas is one world, so you can use miles on those, on those same airlines. Um, so I, because I understand that can be a little bit confusing at first, uh, I'm constantly helping clients. They write me, say, hey, Trevor, what's, what's the best way to fly to Europe? I have 50,000 American Airline miles, 30,000 United. What's, what's the best redemption? So because I've been doing this a long time, I can reply and say, you know what, I think... I think uh, the 30,000 American Airlines is your best option. You should book that. So I'm always available to help people. It's not, for me, it's not that hard. Awesome. Yeah, you were mentioning uh, on your social media that, you know, if, if anybody has a flight they want to book, say US to Europe or something like that, to, to write you first to see if they can get a discount or, you know, get a lower price on it. So um, do you provide yeah. that outside of your service as well or is it um, exclusive to members only? Uh, no, so I'll explain that because uh, <laughs> it's skirting the rules a little bit. So like I said, I, I book flights for my, for my parents. Uh, I try, they, my dad refuses to fly economy, so he flies business class and first class only. He's spoiled. 
<laughs> ever since I booked him on Emirates First Class, which has an onboard shower and uh, the stand-up bar. <laughs> ever since I booked him on that trip, he thinks that every airline should have a shower, <laughs> which it's not realistic. Emirates isn't, it's one of the best airlines, first class. Uh, so he's spoiled. He only flies business. Um, I lost track of what I was saying. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Uh, finding uh, discounts uh, for people. Okay. So, <laughs> so you have, <laughs> I start, I also, flew Emirates out. is pretty oh, awesome. <laughs> I'm actually, this is the Emirates first class pajamas. Yeah, okay. them. <laughs> it's, a, it's 11 PM I think in Denver. So, <laughs> These are the pajamas that Emirates First Class gives you when you fly. Awesome. <laughs> uh, so my point was that you can use your airline miles for other people. So you can book flights in other people's names. So that, that's perfectly allowed. What is not allowed is for people to pay you for those flights. So assuming that uh, no uh, airline CEO is going to hear this podcast, <laughs> I occasionally... Uh, offer to book flights for people and give them a discount. So any flight that you can find, I can potentially beat because you're looking at the retail prices, but I'm looking at the award prices, which are basically free to me. So let's say someone needs a one way to Europe that costs $800. I, I might say to that person, you know what? I can do that flight for 600. <laughs> the exact same flight. Uh, they don't pay me. I just book it for them. Uh, but that's, that's one way you can use your miles for friends or family or uh, make a little side money, <laughs> unofficial yeah. side money that's by awesome, using, using your miles to uh, help people fly cheaper. It's, like, it's a win-win. <laughs> it's a win-win. And also I can do that for non-Americans who don't uh, have the ability to apply for, for credit cards and get sign-up bonuses. Right. So I would say most people who contact me for that uh, secret discount are Europeans who they can't get the miles. So, yeah, that was another thing I want to talk about. Um, how you know you really can't get these American credit card reward uh, outside of the U.S. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> I, I I haven't looked into it for the the uh, exact specifics of it, yeah. but that's true. Uh, mostly because the regulations and banking systems are different. Yeah. Uh, and I, I have tried to think about it. So why, for example, does Europe not have lucrative sign-up bonuses like we have in the United States? Uh, and I don't have a, a, a great answer to that other than I think a lot of European governments <laughs> are actually trying to protect their population. They don't want their citizens to have 20 different credit cards and get themselves into credit card debts. Whereas in the United States, uh, a lot of the banking people are uh, very close with the politicians. So they're not so much looking out for the population, they're looking out for the bankers. That's, that's the best explanation I can find. And Crazy, man. <laughs> Crazy system we got here in the US. <laughs> yeah. what, I, I would love to hear any listeners if they have a, a more concrete answer on why this doesn't exist in Europe or Australia. It does, to a certain extent, exist in Canada, a little bit in England and the UK. Uh, but not even a fifth of the value that you can get from, from us credit card signup bonuses. Got it. Yeah. It's interesting to me to think how different the banking systems are in other countries. Um, and the U S is so different U S yet at the same time has the highest national debt and it's still going up. So 
yeah. and that, that's at a government level. It's probably true at a consumer level as well. Yeah. I haven't seen the re most recent statistics, but I do know that 67% of Americans uh, are not eligible for mile method because they don't have a high enough credit scores to be approved for these premium sign-up bonuses. And going along that same vein, do you think that there's any kind of a recession that might come that might um, hinder people's ability to do this kind of stuff in the future? Uh, or what effect that uh, might have on people if it did happen? Well, they, they say, I mean, this is a little bit above my pay grade, I guess. My, <laughs> my specialty is uh, learning how to maneuver the credit card system. We're getting into economics um, here. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I'm, I've, uh, I'm more into it than you would think because I'm, I've been obsessed with Bitcoin lately. So I'm learning a lot about Austrian economics and, and that type of thing, as opposed to uh, the system we have now. Um, would a recession affect us? They say that student loan is the next uh, big crisis. Uh, I even saw today that the number of 65-year-olds uh, applying for bankruptcy has tripled since 1991. And that's due to higher healthcare costs, to uh, pensions being cut, to people not saving for retirement. There's a, there's a lot of factors involved in all this. Uh, luckily, I, I keep it simple. I don't even, I don't care about the fine print on credit cards. If you pay off your monthly bills in full, there are only benefits to credit cards. You can get the sign-up bonus. You can get the free checked bag. You can get airport lounge access. You can get free hotel upgrades. All of that, there will be no cost unless there's an upfront annual fee uh, if you pay off your monthly bills in full. If you can do that, you can greatly, greatly, greatly benefit from credit cards. If you don't pay off the monthly bill, you're going to end up paying interest. You're going to end up paying late fees. Uh, so pay off your monthly bills. <laughs> yeah, truly. And uh, honestly, that was the number one thing that drove me crazy when I was in college was debt. And I was just really happy to finally get out of it. And then I just never wanted to get back in it again. But, you know, a lot of people don't have that luxury, I guess, when they get out of high school or whatever, they have to pay, you know, loans to get into school. And then after school, you get, you want to get a car and then you want to get a house and all that's a loan, right? You know, so it's the typical American dream kind of leads into this pile of mountain of debt and, you know, the word mortgage itself means until death, right? So that's kind of what it's for. Yeah, I, I want to uh, disagree with you, but because <laughs> I've been here visiting my parents in um, Colorado, suburbia, you know, I'm a little, I'm, a, I'm reminded of these American realities. You know, sometimes uh, because I've been traveling for many, many years, uh, doing my uh, kind of very independent type travel, I've been, in a lot of ways, I've been dis disconnected from American culture. Um, you know, of course, I've, I follow some of the news and whatnot, but to see uh, just how people are, and again, in American suburbia, it helps me understand a little bit where my, my clients are coming from, some of the questions and doubts that they might have. So it's, it's good. Uh, but I am excited to get on my next trip. And <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, um, I wanted to ask, how has your, uh, your understanding of Bitcoin uh, changed your perspective on, you know, I don't know, the way the world works, economics, travel, travel hacking for that matter? Uh, travel hacking, I, I don't know if there's too much connected <laughs> to... <sighs> Do you think it will affect the, your it, ability to like, get these rewards in the future, the greater usage of Bitcoin? Maybe the hotels will start using it. I don't know. Uh, Any foresight well, on that? <laughs> yeah, I would, I would have to think 
the the correlation the connection between yeah. credit cards and bitcoin <laughs> i don't think credit cards are going away i do think the bank algorithms are getting smarter about uh people who are gaming the system which i definitely fall within that category uh even though i'm following the bank rules to a t uh they're starting to to uh tweak the algorithm so they can see you know there's no reason someone should have 115 credit cards <laughs> so they're getting better at uh at seeing that and stopping that because even though it's not necessarily a, so when you're talking about the banking system this is a trillion dollar machine so point, whatever the percentages of people like me 0.001% whatever who are getting free flights it doesn't matter it's a drop in the bucket compared to the type of money that's flowing through credit cards and through banks so they're not that concerned about people like us that are flying around the world for free but that doesn't mean that they want to keep handing out these types of benefits if they don't have to um so like i said it is it is slowly getting harder back to bitcoin i i, I don't know if i'm prepared for that question that's <laughs> all right it's an, it's an I, interesting I, technology I, I i do think and i'm i'm highly invested i i believe in it and i've put money behind my beliefs so time will tell who's correct on bitcoin uh if you look at the long term if you look at the history to date uh it's gone up you know it's it's gone up 125% since last year you know people people who uh <laughs> if you're following mainstream media they'll say oh this december it was 20,000 and now it's 7,000 it's a bubble it crashed it's still up 20 it's still up to uh, 125% since last year and one year from now it'll probably be up another 100% or more so it's a long term play uh it's not a sure thing but the more i learn about it the more i i understand that this is the future and starbucks is starting to to accept accept bitcoin in november so that's a big deal wow i didn't know that <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah enough people are walking around with bitcoin wallets now i guess uh makes sense to them i know i as mm -hmm. a as a uh, shopify um store owner i can accept bitcoin online for my store if i wanted to yeah I don't but I mean maybe in the future I buy it. I, I know the technology behind it big uh, blockchain is used in multiple industries not just uh, currency but just the fact that people can have the currency outside of the banking system outside of the federal reserve and all that and exchange peer to peer without being you know heavily uh regulated and all that is is pretty cool. That's yeah. It's uh, there's a uh it's all happening and it's interesting. So. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome, man. Um okay, so the one of the last things I wanted to ask you um to share with the listeners is um how they can kind of see like your travels and stuff like that. I know you have Instagram stories and stuff like that you do. Um where can they where can they see what you're doing all the time? <laughs> and yeah. doing your travels. So this is I'm a I'm a terrible marketer. I will admit it. <laughs> There's a lot of things I could be doing to to spread the word about my method. a lot of things i could be doing because the number one issue i have is people hear about what i do or they might come across my website but then they go back to the whole this is this is too good to be true there's no way you can apply for a credit card and and fly to europe for free or apply for two credit cards fly to europe for free and stay in a 900 per night hotel it seems crazy uh so social proof is pretty big i think uh proving that this is real So I'm more active on Instagram. Uh I just I just finished this uh South Pacific trip and Alaska to eight or nine different countries and I haven't even updated my Instagram yet. I feel guilty about that. 
Um, but, but my Instagram is uh, mile method. You can find me there. Um, I do try to stay up to date, even though I'm way behind right now. And uh, I'm really, uh, I really enjoy doing the Instagram stories because it doesn't take a lot of effort. <laughs> mm -hmm. So when I'm traveling, I like to do, if I see something interesting, I like to share with people and, uh, you know, try to show a bit of the world to people who are following. So Instagram is good. Uh, my Facebook, personal Facebook is Trevor Wright. Um, I'm always posting travel stuff there as well. Cool. I'll include links below in the description. If you're watching this on YouTube, guys, you can uh, check out his Instagram and Facebook. Um, you also have a personal blog, trevorwright.co. Is that correct? Yes, it hasn't been updated. Uh, that is a blog that I maintained for about four years. And uh, it's, there's some interesting things on there. Um, I used to uh, blog about all my different travels with how many miles were required for a certain trip with screenshots of the tickets so people can see that this trip you know, really did only cost $20. Uh, I, I, there's even an article on trevorwright.co, um, a trip I booked for my parents that was the retail cost of this trip would have cost $48,000, which is crazy. That's, that's the trip that they, my dad flew Emirates first class, which I believe was a $16,000 flight. Um, and we paid, I think, $120 maybe, I forget. Uh, so yeah, there's, there's some good articles on trevorwright.co, but uh, because I have other income streams, I'm doing some other business stuff, I haven't been active updating that blog. Cool. Yeah, I, I really do know that this stuff works very well and it works very well for people that are out of debt, but also people that own um, online businesses, especially e-commerce businesses. The reason why it's worked so well for us is because uh, we have a drop shipping business and it's high ticket. So when we sell a product that's a thousand or two thousand dollars, the cost of goods sold is usually around 70 to 80 percent of that. So if it's a thousand dollar product, it's like 700, 800 dollars to pay to the supplier for that product. And we put that product on our credit card and then that racks up really fast so we can we can meet these reward bonuses within you know two weeks or three weeks or something like that and uh, and <laughs> just get like loads of miles rewards it's been working really well for us we've been doing it for the last year and a half um, so any e-commerce business owners that are listening out there that do high ticket drop shipping this method works really well the only thing I have to warn is that it does create kind of a bookkeeping I wouldn't say nightmare but just more work to do so you just have to make sure that you're always downloading your statements saving them in a file maybe on Google Drive and having them prepared so that come tax time you'll have all your you know documents um, ready to show you know all your different <laughs> credit cards that you use to use these costs to get sold um, and then I usually have just one credit card for personal expenses or something like that so that's really simple to go through as well um, do you have any tips on, on bookkeeping for, for the people that do this as well uh, yeah as part of my mile method service uh, we do each client has a shared Google Drive spreadsheet and I help the clients keep that updated. Um, so that simplifies the process a lot too. It's part of my system has, I've tried to streamline it as much as humanly possible to make the applying, the tracking of spending, the tracking of bonuses, these things as simple as possible. Um, but of course, yes, you do have to have some responsibility on your own part to make sure that you are tracking that as well. Uh, I am no tax expert. In fact, even though I have an international business degree, I don't understand taxes, <laughs> so I'm not the person to talk to. Uh, but I did, I did start using a new software. It's the uh, Intuit QuickBooks. And 
I found that really nice because you can mark every single transaction as a business or personal transaction. So that way, when it comes time to do taxes, you have all your business expenses separate already. Uh, I'm not sure what type of software you're using to track, but that's, that's something I found very helpful for my business. Yeah, I use the same thing. Actually, the, uh, the QuickBooks, um, Intuit QuickBooks Online is very useful. I definitely recommend that as well. Um, so great, man. Uh, it was so good talking to you. People can follow, uh, you guys can follow Mile Method on Instagram.com slash Mile Method, Facebook.com slash Trevor Wright. You can find them there, TrevorWright.co. And if you guys are interested in the Mile Method service, definitely sign up uh, using my link because what I'm going to be doing is creating a special offer for you guys, for the listeners of the show um, that explains the things that I've learned going through this program, specifically for e-commerce high ticket dropshipping owners, kind of a, a guide to getting started with, with uh, credit card rewards, smiles, uh, bonus signups stuff like that. You can go to ecommercegreatice.com slash mile method and get that guide there. And then when you sign up, I'll be able to kind of figure out and see if you're the right kind of a client for this or not, just like Trevor normally does. And then uh, I'll send you over to Trevor to sign up if you are. So um, definitely go there, check it out. Ecommercegreatice.com slash mile method. Thanks so much for being on the podcast, Trevor. Really appreciate it. <laughs> it was a good talk. Thanks a lot for having me. Definitely. Have a good one.